you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I have the privilege of a cavalier in Italy, which is the equivalent of a sir title, Franco LoFranco. And this is going to be a wonderful episode as we discuss building residual income. As an entrepreneur, sometimes it's so hard to just be able to get those ways that income's automatically coming in. And so I'm excited for today's conversation. Welcome to the show, Franco. Kim, it's my pleasure to be on here. I love your show. I listen to it and uh, I'm excited to be on and uh, let's make it. I'm like you. Let's make a difference for people and help people out. That's what we want to do. Awesome. Now, you've been an entrepreneur since the age of 22. Your parents moved from Italy to Canada. Yay! (laughs) At a young age. I know, but you know, everyone talks about the U.S., but I love Canada. And they they instilled in you a worth ethic and a sense of entrepreneurship. You started your first company at the age of 22. At the age of 24, you co-founded a company that became one of Canada's first high-speed internet companies in the early 90s that grew into one of Canada's fastest corporations. I mean, you you have done so much in the entrepreneurial space that in 2007, they titled you in Italy with the title, Sir. So I am so excited to have you here today. Uh, my pleasure. It's funny, when I was a kid, my father, he brainwashed me. So he'd be saying to me, Frango, old Italian dad, right? Frango? When you get older, you're going to start your own company. And I, I was three years old, four years old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But you know what? That, that impacts you, right? Because then I, was, when I went to university and like, what are you going to do when you get up? Start a company. What are you going to do? Why? I don't know. I'm just what I'm supposed to do. So it's like, it, it shows you how grooming when you're a kid and brainwashing you works because yeah, I started my own company. Nah, look, you don't know what you're doing when you first start. My first companies didn't do the greatest because you had to learn and make mistakes. There's a reason why the average millionaire bankrupts three companies first because you got to learn and make mistakes and lose a whole bunch and go through all the stress. I have all the loss of hair prove it. But that's where that comes from is all the stress and issues I had. But you got to go through it, right, Kim? You got to go through all those mistakes. Otherwise, you know, I always say this, God gives us the ability to fail. So we know when we're succeeding. Otherwise, how do you know what success is? How can you even appreciate success if you don't go through the tough times? Yeah. My mother died when I was four. So my dad raised my sister and I. And he used to tell people all the time that we were the reason why he went gray and bald at such an early age. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, but now look at you. He's kind of funny. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure he is. I want to just start off by you sharing a little bit of your story. We talked a little bit about it in your bio, but 
Share more about, you know, how did you come to be where you're at now? So when I started my first business, it was an import-export business to Mexico, of all things, if you can believe it. And uh, we had some really good success at the beginning. And then uh, Mexico decided to float their peso. And literally anybody that was doing any trade with Mexico back in the early 90s when NAFTA first launched fell apart because they could no longer compete. Uh, Mexico faced 100% interest rates. Uh, the peso just tanked. It still really hasn't recovered to what it was before, because back then the peso and the dollar, the US dollar were even. And the reason of that was to make the middle class higher. The problem was the wealthy families were getting killed by that in Mexico, because now we can go in there and compete against them and their product was not as good as what we could provide. And so, you know, like what they did was they floated the peso so that now those families in Mexico could regain back their companies, their success, and unfortunately it impacted their middle class. And so I learned a hard lesson about international economics back then, because we were living in Canada, right? And providing great product down there. I thought, oh, this is great. It's gonna last forever. It's like, you don't go to the casino and have success the first time. Worst thing you could do. Never. If you lost the first time you go to a casino, okay, you're probably going to be more careful. If you go to the casino the first time and you have success, that's a problem because now you get addicted, right? So I guess I got addicted to business. And and there's a reason why you succeed the first time. Very good. Exactly right. And then I had a partner who took off with our money, took off. Like I learned about corporate governance and I learned about, okay, how to protect yourself from if you're going to get into partnership with people and like, oh my goodness, all this stuff that started to happen, which was pretty nuts. And so then you get into other companies and you launch other things. And then I started uh, one of Canada's very first high-speed internet companies. And how we did it was we put little robots in the sewers. And so we didn't have to dig up the streets. And so a lot of downtown Toronto has fiber optic cable in sewers. People don't know that. And the reason was because the, the, the sewers go into all the buildings. So it was great to come in and out. And it was really yeah. great. So the robot, the robots did that. Uh, and then from there, expanded to other things from wireless to uh, soccer schools for kids to real estate to different things. But here's what I learned along the way. There's good businesses to get into and bad ones. There's ones that and then how to structure them at the same time. And this is what I had to learn as an entrepreneur. And, you know, back then there was, the internet was just starting. There wasn't YouTube, there wasn't all this educational material available. So we were learning by trial and error, or unless you had, you got lucky or you had some great mentor or coach uh, that was around. And you'll appreciate this. One of the guys that sat on my board was a gentleman by the name of Frank McKenna. Frank McKenna was the former premier of New Brunswick up in Canada. And he taught me a lot about uh, business and how to use your calendar, for example. Like I had no idea like the power of a calendar and how to use that and how to make that your reality every single day and run your life from that. So I learned, you learn all these things. But the one thing I did learn uh, about being in business since I was 22 is what businesses you should be in, which ones you shouldn't be in, uh, which ones are residual why residuals better, why you want residual, how to set up a company or a business if you want to sell it in the future or keep it. You got to be clear about that from day one when you build your company because it'll yes. tell you the structures you need to have in place, all, all the kind of stuff that you learn. But, you know, I learned all that from making mistake after mistake. And then there's the craziest part. I had to grow. One of my uh, shareholders and business partners, great guy. He's very, he comes from one of Canada's wealthiest families. Uh, he was uh, working at a big tech company and we brought him in as to work with us, help us and help us launch. And I'll never forget this. One day uh, when I started my uh, internet company, we raised 40 million bucks. 
and he walks into my office and after about a month or two we're being in that were operational and he said to me the darndest thing he goes uh franco so tell me how's it going and here's what he said he goes we're doing good but i don't think we're going to make it what do you mean we just raised all this money what do you mean we're not going to make it and he said because of you i go because of me <laughs> what do you mean because of me he goes you're very arrogant what Ooh. you're very arrogant and you you, you got to check your ego at the door or you will kill this company I didn't know what to say. I no one ever talked to me like that before. I'm like, okay. He said to me, when you can go to get a sales order and get on your hands and knees and ask for a sales order and not be too proud to ask for the deal, we're gonna be okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. So for me, it was a moment where I had to reflect on myself, mm -hmm. uh, look at my life and who I was being. Yeah, at that time in my life, I was very vain. It was all about my looks and working out and looking good. And then at the same time, another gentleman, it's funny how the universe just conspires for you, right? And this one gentleman, another one that I worked with, uh, very wise, very wise, he's from Ireland, very wise man, love him to death, passed away, but great guy. He said to me uh, one day we were talking and he says, Franco, do you know you're not your looks, right? I said, excuse me? You know you're not your looks. I go, <laughs> what are you talking about? I go, you're not your body. You're not your looks. That's just this thing that allows you to create and do what you want, but you're not that. You're imprisoned by it right now. Wow, that's powerful words. Isn't that crazy? So those two things had me really wake up and start. And then I started reading books on leadership and growth and personal development. And that started me in a whole other journey of, of thinking of life in a different way and, and stop having life be about me, but making a difference. Because at first, most of the, comp the companies I first started off failed, and I could, t I could see where I was the source of the failure for all of them versus being the source of the success and the inspiration for them to become great. And so I had to go through that learning curve, like all of us do, that personal development. And now I I've become voracious at it to the point where I read every day a book on leadership or personal mm -hmm. development or something that helps me keep growing. But that was really, if it wasn't for that, I would never have been able to achieve what I've achieved. You know, there was something back when you first started sharing, you know, that you talked about assuming a business will always be there. And when you were saying that, you know, what I thought of is anyone who bought anything in travel, any type of travel or hospitality business in like November of 2019. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, you bought this travel business. <laughs> And within three months, you were sunk, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. And you don't know what's going to happen in the world. You don't know what's going to happen in your own life. And so I think that that's important that when you go into entrepreneurship, that you go into it. I guess the word I'm looking for is with a humbleness that, you know, it's there are no guarantees. And that there's cycles. So, for example, if you would have bought American Airlines when it had tanked during that period, but it's the stocks that up to now, you would have made a fortune. Right. Yeah. So also to understand that the, each business has its cycle. Right. And so you've got to be able to ride the cycle. This is also why residual income is important to have for yourself in a business, because even though a business has its cycle, now there's better businesses than others. For example, there's industries where no matter what the economy is doing, they're still going to do fine because it's essential that people need things like that and essential services that people require. So you always need those. But there are industries where they're going to be cyclical dependent upon the economy. But if you've got residual income coming in and that's taking care of you no matter what, that's also very important to have, to your point. And then as long as you can take that macro perspective 
and to understand you got to save for a rainy day and not like spend all your money as it's coming in. That's another mistake I've seen entrepreneurs make is this money comes in. Oh, it's always going to be this good. No, it's not. It's not always going to be this good. You're going to have to reinvest that money, keep reinvesting that money. And if I look at the entrepreneurs that I know that are successful, they're continuously reinvesting in their business, continuously reinventing themselves because industries are changing. Uh, industries are morphing. They're becoming different things. They're becoming more things. And you got to be smart enough to see the trend. So you have to always keep that macro perspective in view so that you know what to become, what to go into, who to partner with while you're building the business. Because it's never going to be like, it's very rare. you got a business that's exactly the same 30 years ago, 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago. And this is the way most of them fail. Most companies fail because they don't see uh, the trend and where it's going and where they're at now. You know, when you say that, there's always one company that comes to mind and that's Blockbuster. <laughs> totally. Uh, Nortel, our Canadian friend up there, right? Yes, yes. Another great guy. Like they were one of my clients. I would buy a lot of their product. But then what was interesting was I remember I used to have stock with them. And, and then all of a sudden I couldn't buy any more of their, I'm building an internet company and I couldn't buy any more of their equipment because all their stuff was obsolete. I'm like, okay, this is not a good sign. And yeah. so now I had an unfair advantage because I was, I was looking at all the companies in the marketplace and they weren't keeping up with the trend. So their demise was predictable. They went from one of the largest companies in the world, the world, the highest market in the world, and then disappeared. Yeah, I, I knew someone who worked for them and, you know, it was, they didn't know what the company they worked in. They, they weren't seeing that stuff. So, you know, when, when everything hit, it was such a shock to them. Yeah. I mean, look, that's why it's so important. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got to keep your eye out on the macro. And that's also the fun part and the opportunity of saying, okay, where can we move to? What can we create here? Where can we go with this? And so as long as you're on your toes and you're watching, so keep, keep an eye out on stuff. And sometimes it's just like reading financial journals and business journals and newspapers, um, because those will give you a great idea. Like if you could just keep yourself as a, at a macro level, okay, what's this and what's this going? What's this company doing? And what are they doing? And why are they going here? And putting those, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. That's why I love business and entrepreneurship. It's like a giant jigsaw puzzle and to figure out, you know, what to put put in and what to create and then what, what who to partner with. It's all a big game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to shift gears here. And I, I know you've come prepared to talk more about residual income. So I'd love you to take some time and just share about that. And then we'll talk about it. Yeah. So before I do, let's create a context for it because I think it's important. And the pandemic really created this for people mm -hmm. is people wanted to know, you know, because before that people were, you know, stuck in their work, doing their job, not understanding there's a different way or a better way to live your life. Right. That's why a lot of people. So then the pandemic comes along and what happens? Well, people realize, wait a minute, hold on. Do I have to go to work? Is there a better way to work? Is there a different way to work? So when you give people the ability to start thinking for themselves and the ability to have some freedom, they're going to start thinking differently. And so one of the things that people now really, uh, and this is why some companies have a tough time bringing people back or people don't want to go to, don't want to go back because people appreciate their time more. And yes. so they realize how valuable time is, right? And how much they, they actually like spending time with their spouse. They actually like spending time with their family and their kids, right? Versus before work, 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 and then good night, and then wake up and then go back at it, right? Mm -hmm. And so people are looking now for things that can provide them freedom um, through something like residual income or some kind of automation that they can automate and create something. 
um, and so we'll talk about that. But they're also uh, they also looked at for themselves is what else? What can I do that that can be fun, that can grow, that mm -hmm. is not going to be around for eight you know eight weeks or twelve months, but it could be around for three years, five years, ten years. Because that's the other thing about getting into business: you don't want something that becomes obsolete. So yes. can you get yourself into sectors and industries that will be around for a while? There's a lot of, you know, uh, businesses that are gone in a year. And so you have to be careful that when you get into something and you're putting all your time and effort into it, that it won't be gone 12 months from now, 18 months from now, 24 months from now. Will it be around five years from now? Now, look, there's no guarantee for anything, but there's industries that will always be around and you've got to make sure you are uh, positioned yourself so that you can take advantage of that. And then the other thing that people realize is a lot of work environments were toxic. They weren't really good. And so they realized like, hey, listen, I want to be in a winning environment. I want to be in a positive environment, an empowering, grateful environment. You know, UCLA did a study that people that are in that kind of environment, A, live longer or more productive, happier people by living in that kind of environment and working mm -hmm. in that kind of environment. And that, you know, tr there's, there's, there's great quality training opportunities to keep growing as a person. Because I think one of the things that they, people have realized is, hey, look, when I'm growing, I'm happiest. When I'm not growing and all I do is work, 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 man, I'm miserable. Uh, yeah. It's not the best way to be. And that there's a, a way to get recognized for the effort. Um, and that everybody has an opportunity to grow and be financially rewarded for the work that they're doing. And then the last thing I think people realized is they, everybody wants an ability to expand and to scale what they're doing, uh, both from mm -hmm. a, a spiritual standpoint, a financial standpoint, personal growth standpoint, because it gives people purpose. But they also, I think what it is, and we talked about, we just mentioned this, is can I keep growing at what I'm doing and scaling what I'm doing if I want? Mm -hmm. If that gives me fulfillment, is there an opportunity to keep doing that? And if you keep doing that, hey, you're going to be one of the happiest people in the world if you're taking advantage of that. So that's the kind of like, I think what people realized during mm -hmm. this time. And so then the people started looking, okay, what, what can I get into? What, what other things other than their own job? And this is the problem. When you, then you start looking away from what you've been doing. It's like in a relationship, right? If you're in a relationship yeah. and it, it, it's been abusive, you just don't realize it. And you step back and you can step time away from the abusive relationship. Wait a minute. Is there a better partner for me? Let me look. Yeah. Like, oh, there is. There's lots, in fact. What am I doing here? So people start to realize there's other better opportunities. Now, look, there's people have gotten into all kinds of business opportunities uh, since they've been since the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I always say this: be careful what you get into, right? Be careful what you're studying and what you're learning. So I would tell people, if you're gonna get into business, and one thing I've learned, and, and you know what taught me this was when I built one of Canada's first internet companies. Why? Once you got a client, they paid their bill, they paid it every single month. But when did I catch that customer? One time. But every month they pay that bill. Yes. So whatever you're doing, whether it's subscription-based, whether it's service-based, whatever it is, you got to find a way to make it residual in nature because that's what really builds, in my opinion, builds wealth, real wealth versus, okay, I got to sell this widget got to sell this pen. If I sell this pen, I make some money. Okay, let me go sell it again. Now let me go sell it again. Now let me go sell it again. Okay, cool. How many times can you sell this pen yeah. before it gets obsolete, right? So even if you're creating a company that sells widgets, inside of that, could you create a subscription base? Like that, that uh, what is it, Henry's Razors? That guy's got a subscription model with, with razors, right? Very successful. So you got to look at, look at what companies are doing and you'll see all of them are trying so hard 
to create some kind of subscription. So where a, mm -hmm. a person just puts it on their credit card, every month it gets paid, every month that residual income grows. And now, if you could do it in services that are essential for people, that people have to have every day, that's part of their everyday life, hey, the more the better. You know, I'm involved in companies like, like healthcare, like internet, cell phone, things like that, that people have to have. I love getting involved because I've learned that those essential services are what drives people. And so mm -hmm. I'm involved in industries like that. So the key is to get involved in things that people absolutely need, have to have, that is take some thinking to figure it out. Yeah, 100%. And then look at, okay, what would be the structure that we need to put in place? How can I bring, bring that client or that customer value in that industry? And what is the residual component of that? And, and inside of that, you can have multiple products. Like for example, cell phone companies, now they offer insurance on a phone, right? That's an extra residual income component to bring it in. You know, it makes them a ton of money. People really don't need it, but people will have it. You know, look at how Apple works and all the different recurring revenue streams Apple's created around the phone or an iPad and a Mac. Are you kidding me? They make probably more money off the other stuff than the actual product itself. And so what's key is to look at when you're in business is what can I create and what can I do? And then the other part of that is, is automation, okay? What can I automate in my sales process? I know you've talked about this on your show a lot. What can you automate on your sales process that that becomes a residual component in and of itself? Mm -hmm. Now you got to be careful with that. You got to watch it. You got to make sure that it's on tune when you're doing your ads and whatever, however you're creating that automation, that it's relevant and viable, not just every week or every month, but every week and sometimes daily to make sure you're getting the results that you need. And so from a residual standpoint, a residual income standpoint, why you want that is because you want to be able to look, if you wanted to walk away for a month or two or three and say, hey, you know what, I'm taking a vacation or whatever. Like I took a year off once so I could become a pilot and learn how to fly. Why? I had residual income, right? Yeah. So when you have residual income, you have true freedom. And I've always believed this. If you don't have residual income, you don't have freedom. You're just uh, having a job at a glorified level, even if you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You just dropped some real gems there. And I want to go back and explore it a little bit more. So you talked a lot about, you know, getting into industries with essential needs. Can you go into that into more detail? So, you know, how would you start a residual income business in that sense? Or do you work with another company? So a little clarification. Yeah. Well, for me, I work with a company that's created a platform. They're called the Amazon of services. So they literally created, they, they invested a gazillion dollars, created a platform that people can market the largest uh, brands in the world on one platform, kind of like Amazon, but for services. Um, and then you could do that and bring better value at the same time, bring better value on those same services with those same companies. So, so it's, it can be very lucrative and you could do two things with them, uh, which is build a residual income for yourself, plus build a team of affiliates that do the exact same thing and help build mm -hmm. an organization. And that's where you can bring out your leadership skills. And like, if you think you're a leader and like, yeah, I've always wanted to be a leader. I've always wanted to build a team. I know I can build teams. Then they give you that opportunity as well. And they've now done that in 27 countries around the world and growing. You know, they've done billions in sales. So it's a pretty, pretty effective model. But you can also do that uh, individually on your own. You could do that with other companies, other brands. There's different ways to do it. I did it that way because with their model, I don't have to have employees. <laughs> I don't have to have an office. They take care of all the headaches and stress, all the stuff I used to have. That's why, like I said earlier, I lost all my hair from having employees in an office and all that. So there's many ways you can do it and create it. It just depends on what your pain tolerance is and what your threshold is. 
for your own success. And, and it's another thing I think people want today is less of the headaches and stresses that go along with traditional business. This is why marketing with social media is so attractive to people. Like I'll give you an example. There's companies now that'll make you whatever healthcare product you want, right? Mm. They'll make it, they'll they'll deliver it, they'll do everything. All you gotta do is tell them and they'll even formulate it for you. That's the great, they'll formulate your product. What do you want? And they'll do it. So all you've got to do is market it, brand yourself, right? And then sell it. And you can, and that's what your front end is. And then you use their back end. So you don't have to worry about all the headache and stress that goes along with that. They're doing that. So there's so many, we live in an incredible time, Kim, that we've never seen before in our history, where if you want to build it from scratch all yourself and do it, hey, go ahead. More headaches, more stress that way. If you don't want to, and you want to be able to use other partners, other people that have already built that, that are focused on that and making it better for everybody, obviously you gotta trust them, like them. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation with that is get to know the owners. Yes. Who owns that? Not just the sales rep, okay? Who's the owner of the company? Like before I got involved with the company I'm with, um, that I work with, I got to have lunch with the owners. Mm -hmm. And I asked them a gazillion questions because my father always said to me when I was a kid, uh, how the head goes, so will the body and the tail. And so I said, okay, Let's find out because up until that point, I the companies were always mine and it was always mm -hmm. up to me. Now, in trusting them to do what they're going to do, I had to make sure the level of integrity uh, was the highest level and it was. And they've always yeah. proven that to be always the case. So for me, I've always made sure that whoever I work with, regardless of what industry, that the integrity of the people you're working with is up to the level that you want. And the yeah. reason that it's important is because if you're going to be long term with somebody, you got to trust them. And if your little gut is telling you no, then it's no. Like, don't even argue it. Don't fight with it. Like, I always tell people, remember when you went on a date and your gut told you no, no, no. And, and your brain says, but they're so good looking. They're there's They're so smart. Well, come on. But your gut was saying, no, no, don't do it. And then a couple of weeks later, damn. Why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have listened to my gut. You know, and business is no different. So you got to listen to it. And if it's telling you no, 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 don't do it. And don't let anybody else talk you into it. Either. Awesome. That is so wonderful, Franco. We are just about out of time. Oh, um, like, like how fast we went here. This is unbelievable. Oh, I know. The half an hour's go really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're good that's why and by the way i gotta tell you you're a great interviewer you know how to ask the right questions when i listen to your podcast they're they're great because of who you are so i want to congratulate i don't know if it's natural for you if you learned that or where you got that because i listen to a lot i love podcasts by the way i learn a lot isn't that a great thing is podcasts what you could learn on them is amazing and i don't know if you did you learn that or did that come naturally to you well i've learned that listening is important my first 80 episodes just because I switched hosts and some things got lost. Um, if you listen to those episodes, it would be a little different. I'm 300, over 300 episodes in. So you learn a little bit about interviewing when you've done yeah. so many. But to me, the key is listen and then ask good questions. Interviewing's not hard if you do those two things. Yeah. My father used to say you have two years, one mouth. Use proportionally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? My dad used to say stuff like that, too. One of my dad's favorite sayings was, Kim, what goes around comes yeah. around. He's right. 100%. This is awesome. 
So what I'd love to do in the last couple of minutes, Franco, is um, I want you to get you to share with the audience, how can they connect with you? So if they've been listening to this and they're like, you know, I want to learn more about this residual income, how can they connect with you? And do you have any freebies that you give away? Uh, what I'll do, yeah. So thank you. I appreciate that. So they can they can reach with uh, reach out to me on Instagram, uh, Cab Franco, C A V Franco. You're more than welcome. I'm also on LinkedIn. They can reach me on LinkedIn. Just private message me there. Now one of the things I, I like to do, one of my passions is coaching. I love to coach people, and so if people want me to help them with something that they want. I'll help them. No big deal. I love to coach and see what they're up to, what they want, what they want to create financially. Um, if I can provide, because all the companies I've built uh, over the last three decades, I've seen a lot. I have investments. I sit on boards of a lot of companies. I know what model would work, what model typically wouldn't work. Uh, and so I'm happy to provide that to people. Thank you so much. So this has been Franco Lofranco and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.